Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Amy Anderson is a wildly respective and creative industry leader who sees the unique opportunity to leverage creativity to transform both brands and entire organizations across multiple sectors. She has a track record of driving value for clients through brand and growth strategies, designing teams, and innovative marketing strategies. Her work at Wild Coffee is focused on transforming businesses through a diverse set of disciplines and tailor-made teams that span brand strategy, digital marketing, PR, and marketing consulting. Amy has more than 25 years of experience with brands such as Calvin Klein and the New York Times Digital and drives strategy, creative, and implementation across a diverse client roster that includes e-commerce, manufacturing, healthcare, financial services, and technology clients. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite, Amy. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I tell you, I'm thrilled to have you. You have a very, very deep, deep background in marketing, and we're going to spend some time today talking about the trend toward conversational marketing and how brands should be engaging with customers. Before we get there, tell us a little bit more about your journey and what led you and your entrepreneurial spirit. Well, it's been quite a long journey. I can't believe I'm going on 30 years next year. And that's this is really <laughs> all I've ever done. Well, um, and I, I, I have to say, so Amy and I had a very, very long pre-show discussion and we were talking about our age and we both have done a wonderful job standing the test of time. And it's all about staying relevant when we are, when we have 30 years of experience. So you go girl, okay? I love it. Well, I, you know, I used to think, Lori, that... I was going to age out of this business and that people really valued sort of young digital marketers, you know, eight years out of school. And yes, they're absolutely, they do, but there's also a place for us, right? There is. And we've seen a lot, we've done a lot, and uh, we have some opinions about the way things should be. We sure do. And and we love it. Okay. Back to my question. Sorry about that. I did have to add that in though. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, so I started, it's interesting. Data has always been something that's important to me. And when I started my marketing career, I was at 17 Magazine, fresh out of high school. Sorry, fresh out of Chapel Hill. I would have loved to have been there out of high school at 17. And it was really curious to me how subscription rates were how we judge the effectiveness of marketing, right? They would maybe get a lift here or there and some brand awareness. But in the print world, I didn't really buy into a lot of it and I wanted more. And I ended up at Calvin Klein Cosmetics, where I ran broadcast marketing for them. And then it was more comfortable with Nielsen ratings, right? So we knew how things were performing with sales and with promotions using television and radio. And from there, that's where I really got into internet marketing, enjoyed the New York Times Digital, where I was part of the original group that launched mytimes.com. And there we actually had one of the first gated content media sites where you had to register to view most of the the website. And that's where I really started to get entrenched in in data and sort of consumer data and targeting. Um, And I've spent many years since then in that field. And then I had a life change. I was 46 years old and had taken a few years off of work and was going back. And I, I was lucky enough to have a choice. And that was, am I going to go be a CMO at a big firm like I was, or am I going to go out on my own and consult and have the flexibility I needed for my family 
And I chose to go out on my own and founded Wild Coffee with my business partner, Solomon Wansier, about four years ago. And we've grown since then. Well, I tell you, it's a real gift to have that flexibility, not only as you know a wife and a mother, but to be able to build a culture and a climate within the business that allows other people to have that same flexibility. And I think that's why entrepreneurial organizations today are so successful is because if, if there's a great leader at the helm who allows their team members to same to to take the same walk that they are regarding that flexibility, you know, that's where success uh, really you know, comes into play. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because for me, entrepreneurialism is a mindset, right? It's constantly looking for a better way always looking for ways to solve problems, how to be better, how to overcome, how to pivot on this journey. And I think you have to look at your team in the same way. You know, how can you find the best solutions for a team that is happy, that is fulfilled, that is productive, that is doing their best work, that has balance at home? And I think, you know, we talk about this sort of post-COVID era, but I think we need to look at our teams that way and ourselves as leaders, to say, you know, what kind of organizations and cultures can we build that bring the best to people? Well, and it's more and more important today than I think at any other time in U.S. or global history because of the pandemic and and the life changes that we have been forced into because of COVID. You know, switching gears here to really what we're here to talk about today, conversational marketing, you and I, like a good bottle of wine, have stood the test of time. And we've been doing this for 30 years, and I've loved every minute of it. And if we take a look at what has changed over that 30 years, it's not the way we approach creative. It's still about how we motivate someone into an action for our audience, right? It's not about understanding uh, motivations and behaviors that transcend time and ultimately create loyalty. It's not about the conversation, uh, which we're going to have today with conversational marketing. It's about the technology and the platforms in which we push marketing out of that has really changed. And I think that is an important point here because this is not rocket science. It's just a new spin on what we've been doing for 30 years. Yes, it's more immediate. And I, it's more personal. Those are the two ways I would sort of describe how we are meeting the needs of customers. It's meeting them where they are in their journey with something that is relevant to them and something that's real. Well, and real is important, right? And that's where the conversation begins to take place. Uh, if we aren't studying truly what the motivators are within the marketing funnel or sales funnel, for instance, if we don't understand what those motivators are, what the motivation is, then we're not going to be able to have that conversation. First of all, let's tee up your definition of conversational marketing, and then let's talk through how ultimately that helps move people through the funnel and create that loyalty. Sure, absolutely. Conversational marketing is a method of engaging with your visitors, specifically web and you know, in some cases, it may be social media visitors um, and converting them via dialogue driven activities. Right. So it's sort of self-explanatory when we talk about conversation. It's having a conversation with these people that meets their needs, solves their problems, and I think makes the sales cycle much more enjoyable and much easier for them. Um, it's in a place where, you know, everything these days is much more open, transparent, authentic, immediate. 
Um, and, and it's really interesting to see, you know, sort of meet them where they are, understand what they're looking for. In some type cases, right, with some AI-driven platforms that we can talk about, speak to them in native processing language and, and really sort of shorten that process for them so that people get what they need. And, and I read something recently that said it's about solving, not selling. Yeah, and I, I love that. Yeah, it's wonderful. We always talk about the fact that you don't want to sell a, to- a story, you want to tell a story. And that story becomes that conversation, it becomes that motivation. And it's truly what ultimately intrigues people to want to learn more. There's nothing worse than feeling as though you've been sold. And so many marketers are making that mistake right now with their messaging. Right. And I think people see through it. You know, we talk about this post-COVID world again, and, and, you know, at first it's almost as though sort of the veneer was ripped off a little fast for me, right? All of a sudden we start seeing each other's cats and rooms, and now we have a blurred background (laughs) to be able to solve for that in a lot of ways and, and sort of look how quickly, you know, the we're in it together became stale and trite. That's how quickly things are moving with messaging like that. And I think that people really see through and, and, and really want to understand that your actions, your intentions, and your outcomes are genuine, that you are not just trying to be very casual and straightforward and people are taking off makeup and lowering production value in the seek to be authentic. It needs to be much more genuine than that. And I think that the consumer, whether you're in a B2B or B2C environment, they see through that. And they do. And, and, you know, we were talking earlier just how important a culture is. And from a leadership standpoint, how we walk the walk and talk the talk, the brands need to do the same thing. You can't say your one thing and not prove it. You can't, you know, wash the, the audience with who you say you are, but not deliver on that. Right. And you can have some PR snafus. I think you're really putting yourself at risk and not being genuine in that. And, and I think that, Part of conversational marketing and having these conversations with your buyers, consumers, you know, followers, customers, whatever they are in whatever context is really a way to inspire trust and engage loyalty. And I think trust is something really important in the environment now that you're not selling someone that you're saying, look, this is what I believe your need is. And this is what I have for you. And it, it it's gotten very simple as opposed to this very sort of complex upselling. Remember the days of evergreen contracts and trying to plan a year ahead. Things are just moving too fast and people's needs are changing too quickly that I think you need to be genuine, transparent in where the customer is with what they need. How can someone today take a look at their marketing and really ask themselves, okay, is this a conversation I'm having or am I just pushing out content? Oh, that's such a good question. I I think that really understanding your customer, and and that's what's interesting about using, you know, some conversational marketing techniques, like, you know, something as simple as a chat bot um, or even live chat, you know, you really start to gain insights about them. And I think we need to be really good listeners and sort of close that loop about what they want. Because then I think that you're speaking genuinely to those needs. And instead of having a marketing team or a product marketing team going out and saying, we think we know what they need and, and this is it. And we're going to sort of shove this down their throats. It's really just that continuous insights and feedback loop that you listen to and use in addition to data. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that it's some of the best market research available. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it, and now it's happening in real time. It is. 
You know, you can start to see trends and, and identify what groups of people are looking for and what they're searching for, what they're asking. And then you can respond to that either in closing a product loop. You can respond, you can respond to that in your marketing and your communication. So out of curiosity, I don't know that you're going to have a number or a response to this, but you know, there's a lot of discussion out there right now between uh, what is live chat and what is a bot at this stage. And people can really kind of determine the difference. They want to know that the live chats are more applicable to higher priced items. You know, I don't know, but what is your gut reaction to that? I mean, how are you seeing the differences play out with the customer experience between live chat and a bot? I think it really depends on what the complexity is of the transaction. So you mentioned the higher priced items, maybe in a B2B environment, it's a software application, or maybe it's in manufacturing, and it's a matter of quantities, availabilities, and stock, or financial services with a rate sheet. You know, those are probably better for you know business hour live chat, right? So it's between nine and seven. You have a group of people with business development and sales manning a live chat. Where we see rules-based chatbots are in environments where it's pretty straightforward, right? You know that somebody's looking for a price maybe of an airline ticket, or they want to know your opening hours, or they are looking to just sort of reserve a table maybe. Um, So rules-based chatbots are really good because you give people that's a decision tree. And is it A or B? And it sort of leads them through that tree. The most comprehensive sort of complex deployment is an AI-based rules bot that actually learns over time, uses native processing language. And that's for more sort of e-commerce complex enterprise solutions that learn over time and take some development work. But I think there's some easy ways, even just by introducing live chat to your website, when you have people in office in hours, it's almost like clocking in and they're there and can answer questions. I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, I love it. And and one thing, I mean, there's so many unknowns, right? When it comes to marketing and certainly AI. And as buyers travel through the funnel, we're able to gain far more insight with dozens of tools out there. And what conversational marketing does is really allow us to understand precisely where the buyer is in the funnel and then tailor, whether it be content or follow-up or you know direct Q&A, answers, content, a whole host of solutions that can meet them right where they are and answer the questions to create more immediacy for a sale versus having them travel along a little bit further. Absolutely. I mean, according to Harvard Business Review, the average B2B company takes 42 hours to respond to a lead form. That's horrible. Yeah. And that's just not where we can be in this market right now. You know, why would a business to business lead be any less important than something you're trying to purchase in an e-commerce environment online? I think that, you know, I... I have teenage sons and I watch in real time (laughs) their frustration without, with not being able to solve or get an answer immediately. I mean, they have been raised with very um, rapid access to information and answers. And I think that as, you know, sort of we mature and move forward into the future with digital that, you know, people are going to have those same expectations or they do now in a business to business environment. I mean, I see a lead form now and I just go, oh, you know, I, I really, I'm looking for an answer. I'd like to have it now, please. Right. <laughs> um, and two minutes is too late. And, and, you know, I think that's the expectation. And there's some great data out there regarding response and the need to really 
meet people where they are in the buying cycle real time, as you say, let's talk about how ultimately that helps shorten the sales cycle, which is one of the huge benefits of conversational marketing and really meet the customer where they are within that, that behavior that they're exhibiting at that time. And, and, you know, it's worth noting, I, I know you're going to share some stats with us. It's worth noting that 52% of consumers, and, and by the way, this does not matter if it's B2B or consumer, retail, whatever, this conversational marketing is applicable to every type of personal solution and or product that is available in the marketing. So 52% of consumers are more likely to make a repeat purchase if the company offers live chat. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes if I, I don't, it's interesting. You, we talk about, again, about my teenage sons who, who avoid email. I mean, they, they really, to ask them to go in and read an email. And if we're trying to track a shipment, I am much more likely or inclined to go on a website and I'd rather throw that into a chat bot or speak to someone with a tracking number and pull it up there than having to go sort through my email. And, and so in that e-commerce environment, I think that's absolutely real. Um, and IBM says that 80% of routine questions can be answered via chatbot. Imagine yeah. that 80%. That people are looking for quick hits of information. They want to be able to get what they want when they want it. So the deployment ultimately almost doesn't matter, right? It's just how can you, as a marketer, you know, look at the needs of your customer in real time and what kind of information are they looking for? And then how are you going to, to deliver that to them? And you know, I, I think that's a critical point. It really is. I have to laugh a little bit. You know, the the old, old, old voicemails that we still get when we call up a, a company and, and try to ask a question whether or not we are setting an appointment for a haircut or we have a technical question we actually want to t- speak to a live human being. And they're really deploying chatbot mechanisms with voicemail right now just to get people off the line, you know, or to a computer to ultimately ask. It's an interesting juxtaposition regarding the importance of a conversation and how people are really pushing brands to the technology platform right now instead of actually wanting to have a physical conversation with them, not to confuse our conversation But there really is, I think, an area that people need to grow into and and lean into a little bit more deeply is still realizing that, you know what, a true conversation from time to time is very important. Right. And I think that consumers should be able to choose when they have that. Right. Right. So, you know, just when you're in an IVR, the interactive voice response, and you are, you know, choosing this treat, my favorite is they say, please make sure to listen to all options on this menu as our selections have changed. I said, well, you, everyone has that at the beginning of <laughs> right. every message. Or this is our address, or these are operating hours, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Well, I said, well, if I, then I'm thinking, well, if I wanted those, I would ask for them. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times that's rules-based, right? Or what about when they get your account, not to get off track, but they ask for your account information. And then when the live person gets on, I have to repeat it again. And I'm thinking, well, didn't you just ask me for that? But that's sort of an example of what we are needing and wanting as consumers that if I'm going to give you this information, please make sure it's actionable. Yeah, I love it. It's wonderful. You know, we haven't talked about location marketing, which is another real simple mode in which conversational marketing does take place. Yes. And you know, it's interesting. Our company does a lot of work with multi-location and franchise clients. So we have to tailor down to the location 
say in Facebook, right? Because there's a lot of integration when Messenger opened it up several years ago for API integration with these bots that we are actually running chatbots for 100 different locations at a single time. Wow. Because we know that someone in Sioux City, Iowa, who is interested in, a, in store hours for a tuxedo store, wants not to speak to someone from corporate, not to have to go through. They want to know when you're open. And that sometimes they don't want to click and look through hours or go to Google My Business. They're going to go onto Facebook. So it's interesting you know, how that needs to be tailored you know, down to those locations, where they are. And that's how detailed and specific, especially in a multi-location play, that needs to be. Yeah, it's very, very important. You know, one of the key elements, you know, once someone launches a conversational marketing program, I think is really the refinement. We talk a lot about test and scale and test and scale. And certainly uh, refining and learning, you know, the approach, the voice, the content is something that you just can't set it and let it, you know, expect it to work. No. And I think that that's really important. First, how do you start with your tone? when someone first joins your website and what is your voice and really looking at the brand voice and tying it here. And then how does, if you're doing an AI-based platform, how is that learning? How are you sort of nurturing that data and continuing to approve? It's almost sort of takes on a life of its own that you have to manage and continuously refine. And then as we talked about earlier, just having the insights and, and not, you know, you have such good customer data at your fingertips through these conversations with customers, how are you using them and tying it back into your marketing as opposed to just sort of letting it stay there? Um, I think there's a real trend towards low, well, low code is here. And there are a lot of platforms with drag, drag, drop and drag, drag and drop, sorry, code. Um, <laughs> and so that's a hard one for me. But these are, um, you know, it's the same way that you can start with a low code platform and sort of develop the basics and really learn and then continue to refine. It's like a living knowledge base that talks back. It is. And, and one of the areas that I think experiential experientially that I see a lot of brands missing the boat with conversational marketing is that the conversation or experience they're creating through, you know, the location or the chatbot or whatever it might be does not align with the actual brand fundamentally. It's just off tone. The verbiage isn't what would typically be, you know, used in, in a conversation. What advice do you have for our listeners today to make sure that they don't make that mistake? Well, I think, you know, we before we set out on any engagement with a client, we always go through brand tone, brand voice, brand values. We refer to that quarterly with our clients and sort of check back in with them and, and make sure we're still on track. And I think you really need to go through that exercise and go refer to them. And, you know, are you authoritative? Are you serious? Are you warm and engaging? And, and ensure that any conversations that you have through these chatbots, through the AI platforms are something that are really aligned with that. Because if you're an authoritative brand and then you have like, you know, very sort of spunky language in there that's very warm and friendly. It's going to feel really inconsistent with a brand. And as stewards of these brands and CMOs, that we are so meticulous about having you know the right space around a logo and you know, God forbid somebody not use one of our colors correctly. And then you go into this place of actually speaking in real time to your consumers and the voice is off. So we need to pay attention to that too now. I love it. Who's doing a great job out there? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I had HubSpot for everything. They just launched oh, a new incredible. platform. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we're we're certified there. We develop emails there. We use so much of their software and CRM. And their new platform is really interesting. And they actually have. I just saw it recently. I think it's HubSpot, and then you go. It's uh, forward slash conversational marketing that has this really cool presentation that sort of gives a state of you know where people are, where consumers are. That was really interesting to look at, and the design was just beautiful in it too. So they're sort of our gold standard, and you know I'm sure people who are listening engage with our content quite a bit because they have some really great stuff. Uh, any final words of wisdom before we part ways today on how someone can either make sure they're doing it correctly or get started? I think they should just start small, do their research, maybe even to test a bit of live chat for a certain number of hours during the day and sort of see how those engagements go and then start to look into rules-based and then potentially AI. I think you can build and start small and test. And, you know, as we know in marketing, especially in this environment, sort of test, reiterate, test, and move forward that way is, is, is a great place to start. Well, and we as marketers always want to like take big, big leaps. And, and what we're hearing is just step back, take a few baby steps, and then start the conversation and build and grow from there. Amy Anderson, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avasetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.